0: Patrick coach from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the coaches panel.
1: Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johansson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans.
0: It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Maxwell on Melbourne Football Club. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Football Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the coaches panel. I hope you well and trust you're enjoying the 50 most relevant for 2023. We are almost done. Can you believe it? Today, the number five player. In my 50 most relevant, Carlton defender Sam Doherty. He is the last defender listed this year in the 50 most relevant. Why is he where he is? Let's be honest, he's a pretty good fantasy football option for us across the formats. Joining me on this episode for his first time in 2023, if you've been a long time fantasy football nut, Chances are you've seen him across the Twitterverse. You've also heard him across the 50 most relevant over the past couple of years. I've got McRath. Hello, buddy. How are
1: you? MJ, mate, thanks for having me on again. Such a pleasure to sit down, have a yarn, uh, and what a podcast to get me on for. First one of the year. Uh, number five, Sam Dock, absolute legend.
0: Yeah, he's a really big, important prospect for us to have a pretty serious conversation about 29 years of age defender. And we'll talk about the comeback that we experienced in 2022. But it did bring us some really nice fantasy scores across the year. The top score of the year in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team was a 138 against the Hawks, while it was 144 against the Richmond Football Club. His highest ever scores, though, from a career perspective, both of them are nowhere really near that. Back in 2017 against the Swans for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, it was a 159. While in 2020 for Supercoach, it was a 185 against the Bombers. That really strong season last year means you are paying up some big dollars for him. He is just a touch over a million dollars in Dream Team. That's because he's averaged a 110.3. In AFL Fantasy, where it's the same average point, a 977K. While in Supercoach, his average of 109.6 means he's at a price point just a touch over $600,000. And McGrath, we probably should be putting Doc into the 50 most relevant, not just because of the fantasy year that he delivered across the formats, but what he had to overcome in his personal life and health is deserving enough of a SWAT to be applauded for what he's done.
1: I mean, we're talking about one of the most respected guys in the game now, right? He's missed two and a half years, you know, at both times at the peak of his power. the first time with the ACL coming off All-Australian. Uh, and then just he was getting back from his second ACL, comes back and, and midway through averaging almost a ton, you know, has a cancer setback. Uh, And then he just uses that to come back stronger than ever. Uh, And not just stronger, he's our top-rated defender going in 2023. Uh, Absolute legend and, rightly so, a fantasy star.
0: Yeah, he is. He came third in the AFL per game for kicks, sixth for effective disposal, sixth for uncontested possessions while he's in the top 20 for marks, disposals, metres gained, and rebound 50. So often, Carlton, when they were in a jam or they were wanting to change play or they were wanting to set up the play, Doherty was instrumental across those flanks and also pushing up through the wings, setting up what that Carlton football club did want to achieve last year. Let's dive into his fantasy data. He averaged 110 in Dream Team and Fantasy Forest last year. 16 tons. Yeah, that guy can score okay. Seven of those he was able to convert into 120 plus scores and there's a bunch of 130s layered across the season. So he's got captaincy potential about him. Just the two scores all year under the 80 marker and as the season went on, he got better. Before the buys, he was running at an average of 105.8. Post the buys, goes at a 114.7. In AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, ranked first for all defenders by average and by points. Sixth overall in that format for the highest average. And only two players scored more points than Sam Doherty last year in Fantasy and Dream Team. Andrew Brayshaw and Callum Mills. Let's talk about his super coach season. An average of 109.6, 14 tons across the 22 games he played. A bunch of those, 10, converted into 120-plus scores. And just like in fantasy, plenty of those were converted into 130-plus scores. Just twice he dropped under 80 all year. And talk about a picture of consistency. Pre-buy, he goes at 109.8. Post-buy? 109.6 of all defenders, fourth by average, third for total points of all our defenders in SuperCoach, while overall, thirteenth overall four points. That's a pretty stunning season, isn't it, McGrath?
1: Just, just perfect, really. I mean, you won't find a better, a better season from a, a defender, let alone uh, you know a player, really. If not for a, a few absolute. Freaks of nature the likes of you know Lead and Brayshaw uh you know we'd be talking about this season you know as one of the the greatest not even considering what he's gone through but I think I really look like to look back at 2022 and see how that came about because he did go up you know almost 12 points from when he before he uh, you know got struck down and I think a few factors really came together and everything broke his way mm. uh, and the important thing which I'll get to in a sec is nothing has changed. In fact, things will improve. So the story, the narrative is really, really strong. Uh, end, of, end of 21, Michael Voss comes in, who was his first coach at the Lions, mm-hmm. and absolutely released the shackles on Doc. First thing he did was, you know, had that hard conversation, and and Doc stood down from captain, captaincy duties and let Cripper go alone. And he was set free, and he averaged, you know, 25% of contested possession, seven marks, three and a half tackles, nearly 30 touches a game. Uh, as you mentioned, then, you know, converted 73% of the time to a, a fantasy time, which is huge. Um, I mean, the man deserves a lifetime of good karma after what he went <laughs> through. But uh, I yeah. think I think it's going to start and continue paying off, right? I mean, you mentioned he has a strong floor, the, the high ceiling, uh, and he he's been trialed in in the middle. I mean, a few of the very short sample size, but those those two games he went into the middle exclusively in the last uh, fortnight of the season. Uh, with Carlton's troubles, he averaged, uh, well, he went 123 and 137 when the, um, they gave him bulk CBAs. It was like over 75 Yeah,
0: 75 and 88% in those two games. So in those two games, yeah. he goes 130 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 129.5 in Supercoach. So
1: just stupid, really. And, and look, I, I think you went through it. There's no, there's no downside, right? There's no, you know, weak point. I, I've spent a couple of days trying to, Popped some holes in it. Looked at him. You know how he scores and wins and losses. Two or three points aside, the starter season and of season, no difference. Uh, his, you know, his midfield split was a lot bigger than the. You know, playing in halfback, but not drastically, right? But yeah, if you look on. at it from a checklist, you know he's got a family fantasy friendly role he does. with potential upside. He's had flawless preseason. He has been trialing in the midst, and the last few match sims, he has been exclusively in the midfield. Uh, there's been minimal external change. Yep. Um, and and he's a captaincy option. I know you will ask me about a couple of uh, injuries. One key injury though that could impact him. So. Uh, if you want to go with that, and then we can lead down the devil's advocate role.
0: Well, let, let's do that. So he played two games in the midfield last year due to just the lack of soldiers that Carlton had towards the end of the year. So it was more a forced move initially, but that doesn't mean it doesn't become a, a new normal. That happened with Rory Laird too during the 2020 season. The, the Crows were just getting destroyed for experience through the midfield. Ugh, let's throw out our halfbacker that knows how to win and use the ball oh my goodness, this is a really great move. So the fact he's training there is interesting to me, and there are those two injuries that we alluded to. So I'm keen on your take, and then we want to unpack that a little bit more. Sam Walsh, back injury, it looks like he won't be back any earlier than round four or five. It could be longer than that, but he certainly won't be there by the time round one gets underway. The other is one of their more um, expensive players, in Zach Williams is done with an ACL. So my question is this. Is Doherty, just because he's so good in those spots, a bit of a sellies gap filler that moves around? Will we see some positional volatility? Or is your perspective, he plays through the mids, or then the last bit, or actually it doesn't matter, he'll
1: score anywhere. Look, the the long and short of it is that, yes, that last part is true, right? he's He can score. He's shown that he can score, you know, nearly 110 points a game as a defender. He's shown that he can come in and dominate where needed. Uh, I think the Walsh injury probably sees him spend uh, a, lot of, a lot more mid-time, probably, probably pure mid for the first month or so to feel that because I think he is, you know, a point of difference in offers, uh, the the next best out of that, you know Carl midfield rotation. Uh, they are trialing him there for a reason. Mm. Uh, do I think he's going to be a midfield for all of this year? No, I don't. Um, luckily, the blues are are gifted in a way that they have a lot of strong depth down back. You know, they've got Adam Saad. they've got nick newman who who is sort of underrated. They've got Plowman, who's reliable, Marchbank, who's, you know, reasonably fit again, reasonably. <laughs> uh, Mitch McGovern, who's currently fit. And if he if he stays fit, he's a huge difference maker. Uh, we've got a couple of young kids as well. So they are pretty well stocked back there. Uh, but I think Doc will move back as Walsh comes in. Uh, and it's a good trial, I guess, to see that should something happen again, they've got a you know, an absolute jet that can just step in there. Uh, So I think all the training in the midfield and the the preseason is probably to get him ready there for that situation. If if it does happen longer term, but you know, in fantasy terms, I reckon he'll come out of the blocks and probably go gangbusters Mm. with a bit more mid time, uh, a lot more mid time. Uh, And then he'll probably settle back into what we knew, but you know, at the end of the day, you're still probably going to get 110 average, potentially more. So, you know, can you wait on him in fantasy, Super Coach? I don't think you can. There won't be a good time to buy him. Well, uh, I, think, I think I think that's a good start. point
0: that you made there around. There are some players that always give you a look, whether it's one or two weeks either via tag or the, the ball doesn't come towards them. Zach Merritt's the perfect example where you go, I know by the end of the year, you're going to be there and thereabouts. However, you will be value for me at some point in the year. Just purely based on what we know from... Doherty under this Voss system, let alone previous errors of fantasy performance, he genuinely doesn't get a look. And the fact that it's, albeit a small sample size, he's got ceiling potential about him that's at another level when he does play in the midfield, that does make it scary for the percentage of coaches that are choosing not to start him. For whatever those reasons are, and again, I I think there's a a valid reason for it, which we'll unpack in a sec, but 16% of super coaches, 30% of dream team, and 26% of AFL fantasy coaches are finding the salary cap space to include him. But if what you said is true, that he starts strong because of the midfield role and then pushes back, people will be paying not just for the 110 he is now, they'll be potentially paying up to the 115, not getting that 50K cheaper that they're hoping for at round four, five, and six, that, that could be someone that now becomes unattainable to justify spending up for that early in the season.
1: I think there's some guys, and I'm sure you've mentioned it a few times on in the 50 Most Relevant, there's some guys that can take a season away from you, yeah. uh, for better or worse. This is one guy that if you don't start with him, he could take the season away from you and you'll be chasing constantly uh, and potentially overpaying for him at some point in the, you know, the first half of the season. So I think in my mind, my narrative, there's more risk not selecting him than selecting him. There's hardly any downsides. I've been trying to pick holes at it. (laughs) Um, You need to have a really strong reason why, if not the biggest reason why you need to have the most certainty in those guys you're paying, you know, big top dollar for. And You know, I'm very certain in it. I hope we painted a a strong picture for that. I don't see many negatives uh, outside of, you know, freak accidents or or bad karma, which, as we said, he (laughs) does not deserve any more of, uh, you know, to not pick him. Uh, And that's across all formats, I think.
0: Yeah, I I think that the two reasons you're you're opting away from Doherty is, uh, I, I don't believe that the, I think I'll get him cheaper in the year, yeah, well, you can say that about every upper tier premium. And there's only one or two that you could genuinely probably get at that price point. So if you're going, oh, I'll, I'll get Canelio at a cheaper price. Hopefully he drops. Or I'll get a Laird at a cheaper price. Hopefully he drops. I'll get Oliver at a cheaper price. Hopefully he drops. I'll get English. It's well, You won't have that many cash generation moments to justify getting all those many. And there will be. Somebody that pops, whether it be a tag game, an injury, something affects their scoring and they become the priority upgrade that trumps over it. That's what makes this game fun, is you can build your plans and then at the end of the day, they can all completely fall apart. But the two reasons I think you can find a reason not to go for Doherty. One is, there's something about that broader defensive line that you've decided based on your structure... You're going heavier in the forwards because of the more safe premiums, quote-unquote, in your view. And the midfield premiums, you don't want to skimp. So the back line becomes the place you don't get those upper guys. Because outside of Doherty and Dream Team and Fantasy, I think you could say there is a blanket over a number of our defenders. In Supercoach, generally, yes. And outside of Doherty in Dream Team and Fantasy, that might give away my thoughts, by the way, uh, but outside of him in Dream Team and Fantasy, I think you can put a blanket on others. So it might be right. I'll build through the Hayden Youngs, the Nick Dacosses, the Bailey Dales. I'll build through the value of the Salems and the Yo's, and I'll get him because structurally, it's how I get my side to balance. So, so I would understand that narrative. I don't maybe necessarily agree, but I'd understand the narrative. The other is this. As close as Carlton got to finals last year, and as good as they looked in past patches last year, they did not make where a club with the players they have, with the amount of all Australians and talent they've got on the list, not to be making finals again, is criminal. And so was it the game style? Was it a lack of cohesion at the end of the year? Ultimately, the club internally, as footy watchers and fans and the fantasy community, we can have our own objectives, but things didn't work in the end for Carlton. Uh, was it injury list? All those things, sure, okay, but there's got to be an evolution of the game style of what we saw last year. They can't just roll it out. And so if, if the narrative that they move the ball faster... If they apply a little more surge mentality like we have seen from other teams. Geelong got rid of some of the possession heavy and pushed themselves to a final. We've seen Richmond, Collingwood, um, Brisbane to a lesser extent. Um, These teams that push deep into finals play less possession heavy. If that happens, that might clip some of the ceiling off Doherty. Remember we talked about him 6th in the league for uncontested possessions and 20th for marks. So... That would be the only reason it holds water. But I don't see anyone wanting to not have any piece of Doherty during the year. Whether you start him uh, and you just build around it and you don't care what happens or you're finding a reason to get into him. If you don't have Doherty in your plans this year, you're in trouble.
1: Totally agree. Uh, And I think coming to your points there... You're right. The only real alternative as to why you wouldn't would be structure. Yeah. Uh, if you, you're not looking for that anchor, you're going for more value or you prefer, you know, you think Dawson or Angus Brayshaw perhaps have a bit more value or some of those younger guys. Um, and that's a totally uh, yeah, that's personal funny. decision, right? You know, the, you need to ultimately be the one to have that narrative and sleep at night and be comfortable with that. Um, and that's fine. Who You know, I've never come first in AFL fantasy, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm certainly not the best person to you know predict how that's going to shake out, um, but I think coming to the, the Blues, the Blues, uh, you know, their plans and the way they're going to play, I think 2022 was a really good indication of how Voss wanted to play, focusing on that midfield strength uh, and, and fast ball, ball movement into the forward line, getting you know Harry and Charlie to market and trying to score. We we created a lot of scoring opportunities, unfortunately couldn't you know hold it in for as long um, and and convert to goals as much. But I think the next element of that will be better transition football and holding on to it, uh, a bit tightening up on basics and, and hitting a bit more. So I don't think... I'm pretty strong and, and confident that we're not going to go towards a less possession Richmond, you know, 2022 Geelong-style I don't think that's phase two of Bosses fan. I could no, be wrong. No,
0: but well, that's so what I, the I preseason apologize. is that's what the preseason games exactly. are for. Is yeah. oh what are we seeing? What are we noticing? And again, at time of doing this fifty most relevant, all we know is twenty twenty two data and the things that seep out of clubs that are the narratives they want told, we really get to see things when it's no longer just you playing against each other and you're allowing your systems to function the way you want them to. There's the variable of opposition that comes through there. And so we will see a change. I'm with you. I I don't see a drastic overhaul of what Carlton is doing. And it's for that reason. I, I struggle to find a way in dream team to not want to start him in super coach. I could see why there are a bunch of other names through there uh, that you might fancy more. You might go, Oh no, I, I like Sinclair and Sicily and Stewart and, Um, Dawson, yeah, okay, no worries. But everybody keeps talking about chasing value across the formats. And that's not necessarily wrong. But it's not just about chasing bang for your buck. You also want the best players in their lines, in your team, for as long as possible. And we talked about this with Rids on an episode around Rory Laird. That They're priced at what they're priced at this level because it's what they've done. So you're not chasing Doherty because his value. he's value. That's not his job, although you could argue he's got some if he has those centre bounce scoring like he did last year. You're chasing him and selecting him because you believe he's clear and supreme, one of, if not the best defenders this year, and you can build around him. Still, while value and chasing it matters, at the end of the day, success in this game does come from owning the best players for as long as possible yes trading into guys at the right time absolutely yes hunting value absolutely do do not discount getting the best possible players and owning them for as long as possible i believe in dream team and afl fantasy doherty is clear and supreme the best defender this year I, i don't see anyone getting within five points per game of him Unless something drastic changes, and that's what we're forecasting for in February. I can't see it, so for me in those two formats, I'm building it around him as an anchor. In Supercoach, uh, you can see there's three or four others around him, and I'd understand if you like them more. It might hit a structure or an element or a factor. Uh, that's fine, but at the end of the day, come round 24, if not a lot earlier than that, we're all going to want Doc on our side, aren't we, McCrath?
1: We certainly will, mate. Every single game, all the salary formats, draft as well. I think, I mean, he's in, he's in every team I have. Uh, and I, I don't know, some some selections you just can't afford to be cute. You've just got to lock him in and throw away the trade button. And I think Doc's one of those guys this year.
0: He's such a fascinating bloke. We're struggling in some portions of the community to find a way to justify spending the big dollars. And if you are locking him away early you're looking at him as a VC or a C option early days. If he's not that for you, then fade on him as a starting option. From a reference point, AFL Fantasy and Dream Teamers, uh, his last three against the Tigers who he plays round one is 91, 95 and 129 for what it's worth. By the way, though... And he's got a
1: couple of loophole games, that fixture. That's exactly
0: right. The the good thing is uh, if we are looking at him, though, The last time he played them was when he had that 129 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. So not a bad way to have a vice-captaincy option in the first game of the year. Let's talk about drafts and where he goes. Probably different in each format, more because he looks clear and supreme in Dream Team and Fantasy, and there's a few around the mark in him in Supercoach. On draft day, McGrath, this is a bit more of your specialty space. He's a D1, no doubt, but where's he going?
1: Look, uh, fresh uh, annual annual draft. I'd be looking to take him in the second half of the first round. To be honest, he's um look, he's going to be the the D one clearly. I think there's upside there, uh, and for the reasons that people are picking Dunkley as a, you know uh, an absolute unanimous pick one, I think you could do the same for Doc as a defender, albeit not at pick one. But honestly, I think his range is anywhere from you know, pick three to to pick 10. I think if he laughs to to the end of the first round, you're absolutely laughing. In Supercoach draft, I'd probably be taking him as, you know, anywhere from the first to the fourth defender off the ball, which uh, depending on how things fall, it might be in the first two or three rounds of your your draft. Um, But look, at the end of the day, if you do end up with him, you won't be unhappy. uh, You'll feel good. And and warm and fuzzy because he's just such a legendary bloke. There's no DH factor with him. You'll, uh, you'll sleep uh, soundly and he'll give you consistent scores all the way to around 24.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on the dream team and fantasy call. I think you pretty much in that mid to early first round. Yeah, you can lock him in if you like. He's not a number one pick, but gosh, depending on where you land, he's a great option, I agree. And in, in Supercoach, he's in that clump of five and I would happily, happily let the right one fall to me. And so you've got guys like Stuart Sinclair, Sicily Doherty, and Dawson, what appear to be a popular top five. For me, depending on where you're drafting in that second round, I'd happily let the right one fall to me. Um, If you're hoping to get him, though, in the third round, okay, you're... You're really flirting with danger, my friends. He's not going to last that long for you on draft day. Hey, McGrath, loved having you on this episode and talking about, no doubt, what people have picked up throughout this episode, one of your favourite players to own in 2023.
1: He certainly is, mate. It's such a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate uh, getting you on. And hopefully everyone uh, enjoyed some of the insights and the discussion. He's a guy that I could certainly talk about for hours. So, uh Yeah, uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk again soon, mate. Enjoy the rest of your preseason.
0: We definitely will. He's at number five. Four players left to go in the 50 most relevant. If you want to go and follow McGrath on Twitter, all the details are attached in the descriptions of this podcast. You can go in there, click that, and follow him across Twitter. If you're loving the episodes you've got from this podcast or others, Right throughout the preseason, we've been dropping daily episodes of the 50 most relevant. Wherever you're streaming or have downloaded this podcast from, you can go and check the other players that we have revealed so far. All other 45 beyond. Doc are available wherever you're getting this podcast. And of course, there is a corresponding article that goes with every single one of these players. All the links for them you can find at coachespanel.tv, which is also where you can go and get involved in our Patreon supporter group for just a couple of bucks a month. Not only does it practically help us do what we do here at the Coaches Panel, it also gives you access to hidden groups, exclusive content, articles, podcasts, and the works. All the details to join our Patreon supporter group. You can find that at coachespanel.tv. All right. We're getting in the real serious part of the 50 most relevant now. The final four players of the 50 most relevant. Tomorrow, who have I got at number four? Over the past three seasons, this guy has been one player that if you didn't own in Supercoach, you didn't have a good season. Over the past five, Handful of years in AFL fantasy. He's been one of the most reliable, durable, and consistent premiums that we've got available to us. He's got a tough start to the year. But I think he's good enough that that doesn't bother him. Who is this premium that has been so good for so long that we just assume is going to be great again? We'll talk about him tomorrow in the 50 Most relevant.